me a list. Give me the book. Give me the book and give me the music pipe. I want the music pipe. Welcome to Chronically Narnia. Hello, folks. Welcome to Chronically Narnia or Chronically Podcast featuring Narnia. Whatever it is that we're calling this thing nowadays. It's the same name. Uh, You're the same name. Anyway, I'm Chris. And? Also known as uh, a nameless sleigh dwarf. Uh, And this is my very energetic co-host. I'm Kristen, and I'm it! Tag! <laughs> Susan was it when they were playing nine go seek. Tag. That's a what a fun topical reference that is. Um, they played hide and seek in the chapter. And yep. Susan was it. Uh-huh. And I just looked down at the page and it said Susan was it, and I said no, I'm it. Wow. Anyway. So, Kristen, you uh, you opened at your work this morning and had to be awake at, like, 4 o'clock. For the third day, day in a row. No. Yeah. No. Mm. This, is, <laughs> this is my co-host on, on sleep deprivation. Hi, friends. <laughs> You're friends now. You're, You're not listeners. You're friends. Your eyebrows look great, by the way. Oh, thank you. I got them threaded on my way home. Mm-hmm. I noticed. Yeah. I just had Purdy jump in the back seat with me, and she threaded him while I was driving. It was crazy. Who? <laughs> Pretty. She's the Indian woman who works at the at, at Layla, where I got my eyebrows threaded. Fun. Okay. Anyway, so in this podcast, we talk about uh, lots of things, but right now we are talking about uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, this is our third episode in this book. We're on chapter three, which is called Edmund and the Wardrobe and is the shortest chapter yet in all of our readings. I mean, it's not terribly Look, short. It is one, two, three pages. That's the next chapter. Yeah, that's it. It is three and two thirds of a page. And in, in the layout of my book, it's nine pages, which is about the same length as the previous chapter. No, no. The previous chapter was one, two, three, four and two-thirds of a page okay. it was a so, full page more <laughs> full page all right so in, in this very in short tiny chapter text yeah, version in this very uh short chapter man not a lot happens uh but you, how could you say such a thing they played tag <laughs> uh lucy had an entire dilemma about whether or not she should be found anywhere in the vicinity of the wardrobe uh-huh. and then she was found near the wardrobe and apparently got back to and then, and then we have the whole Edmund plot from the title. Uh, I don't... Lucy doesn't get back to Narnia. Yes, she does. That's the whole way that Edmund got in. Because he saw ahead of him that Lucy had gone into the wardrobe. Yeah, maybe and she... And he went in looking for her. Maybe she and, went somewhere else because when he showed... Okay, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway. You gonna fight um, me on this? Yes. Sunshine. Um, so, we start off by... Uh, doing a little breakdown of the chapter, and we go through, we pick out five sentences that we think are, you know, indicative of... I always try to think of a fun word for this segment, and I never get there, and I always end up sounding like I don't know what I'm talking about. We just tell people what happened in the chapter. You don't need to use a big word for Uh, it. Yeah, we do our chapter summaries. Uh, Anyway, Kristen, if you'd like to go ahead and do yours. 
Okay. All right, so here is my summary of the chapter. Are you going to laugh at me the entire time? You're just being a fun little energy ball. Yeah, I'm a little energy ball. That's what I am. All right. This is how I go through life. Read your... Don't you know? Read your summary. You're married to me, and don't you know that I'm just this little ball of energy all the time? Yep, that's why I married you. This is the best day to have a date night. Let's have a date night tonight. (laughs) It'll be a good time. I'll be asleep before we get to the car. (laughs) Why, you goose, said Susan, putting her head inside and pulling the fur coats apart. It's just an ordinary wardrobe. Look. She could have made it up with the others quite easily at any moment if she could have brought herself to say that the whole thing was only a story made up for fun. Now the steps she had heard were those of Edmund, and he came into the room just in time to see Lucy vanishing into the wardrobe. And what, pray, are you? said the lady, looking hard at Edmund. Please, your majesty, said Edmund. I don't know what you mean. Hmm. Uh, again, we chose two of the same sentences. Two? Yep. Is yours the you goose? No, not the you goose. Oh. Your uh, face when I said that made me... <laughs> made I forgot that almost, almost made me lose it. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, this, it, it, it seems like the sentences that we're choosing are starting to become more similar or maybe in this book the the sentences that you know really encapsulate the ideas of the chapter are just you know more obvious or something but i feel like we're the chapters are way shorter yeah i guess so like all right um so anyway here are mine she rushed ahead of them flung open the door of the wardrobe and cried now go in and see for yourselves there was no wood and no snow only the back of the wardrobe, with hooks on it. Now the steps she had heard were those of Edmund, and he came into the room just in time to see Lucy vanishing into the wardrobe. But instead of finding himself stepping out into the spare room, he found himself stepping out from the shadow of some thick, dark fir trees into an open place in the middle of a wood. And what, pray, are you? said the lady, looking hard at Edmund. I see, I see, I see. So we chose the steps heard were Edmund and what prey are you? Yes. What prey? See, I feel like in your summary, there is no point where we find Edmund in the, in the wood or in Narnia. Like you have, you have a lady reacting to his presence, but there's nothing that says he actually went there. Um, So. Yep. (laughs) Okay. I, I, I feel like if I say he walked into a room and saw Lucy vanish, and then there's a woman being like, what are you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, your majesty. Yeah. I don't uh, know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Would you like right, to know no, no, no. my little, like, as I'm reading plot points that I feel are important to include in my summary? Oh, we can get into those. Lucy out. <laughs> mean siblings. Hide and seek. Edmund in. Meets, quote, queen unquote Quote those unquote. are that's what i was trying to find sentences to support okay that that five point structure <clears throat> all right so let's let's that jump in five point structure all right so let's jump in here um gosh not a lot happens in this chapter this is how stacks right dare you say that 
stacks right up there with one of the more boring chapters. In the As an nephew. only child, you uh-huh. have no grounds to say that sibling issues are, in fact, nothing. Well, and boring. And, and that you could... have no relatability to this. And that you were could... not a youngest child like me with an older brother who would be like, "Nope, here's you're you're just making it up." Uh. Anyway, so go on. I relate with Lucy so much. So tell me about the sibling issues. Like, we have Lucy coming back. She was gone for no time at all. Uh, the other kids find her, and she starts, you know, telling them this whole crock of crap. Uh, this whole what? This whole crock of crap. Oh. <laughs> about. I don't understand your southernism sometimes. <laughs> I just don't understand. Well, uh, anyway... <laughs> If you listeners, if you have trouble understanding my southernisms, uh, tweet at us, hashtag... Uh, I'll give Chris access to the Twitter just <laughs> so that he can define them for you. <laughs> I'll make him do it. Uh, so tell me about these sibling issues. Like, we have this whole thing where the kids obviously don't believe uh, Lucy's wild story about where she was. And Obvi. this is half of the chapter is, you know... Her trying to convince them that she was in some mystical place and then being like, oh, hey, it's a normal wardrobe. You probably got in there and, like, passed out or something and dreamt all of this. Yeah, but she wasn't gone long enough to have. Uh, You know, she's bored and trying to make stuff up to, you know, create a game or something is what the other kids think. And uh, that's, that's what happens. And why shouldn't she? That's a quote from one of the siblings. Oh, yeah, okay. <clears throat> I thought you're you're creating discussion. Um, well, I mean. <clears throat> and why shouldn't she? Who's the one that says that? The uh, P- Peter, whatever his name is? It's not Edmund. Uh, it's Peter, yeah. Yeah, cool, Peter. Uh, She's not being silly at all, said Peter. She's just making up a story for fun, aren't you, Lou? And why shouldn't she? Yeah. We get introduced to Lucy's nickname here, uh. Apparently, Lou. You know, Lou. you know, I don't see how they got there from Lucy. <laughs> you know, it's like that whole Polly Mary thing. I no. just don't get it. You know, it's a four-letter name. You wouldn't think it would lend itself to being shortened. But, you know, it's two syllables. Like, yeah. When I try to call you Chris all the time. Yeah, Chris. That's that's something that you do a lot. Totally. Well, it, it, I did when People we first... would suddenly be able to remember my name out of nowhere, though. <laughs> Still better about that. Anyway, so here we are. Till the day I die. Uh Unless people start remembering your name. It won't happen. (laughs) 30 years of this. Mm -hmm. You got like 60 more. All right, anyway, so I don't know. Talk to me. I I, I feel like there's not a lot I can say about this in the the first, you know, the the rising action of the chapter. Yes, but you're also saying that the rising action of the chapter just didn't happen. I mean, it did. You're like, there's nothing that happens. It did. And then Edmund goes to Narnia. Yes, it did. We have rising action, (laughs) but at the same time, like... But we're establishing a, a relationship structure. We're establishing Peter as, like, trying to be a father figure. We're establishing Susan as trying to be the crusher of all dreams and joy we're trying to establish edmund as like the troublesome jerk uh-huh. which and and all of these are things that are being established and are going to be very um consistent character 
features uh-huh. of all of these characters throughout the book. And yeah. it's this is the beginning of what will ultimately be the redemptive moment and key, like, uplifting of a character. This is the beginning of that. Uh-huh. I mean, and so you have all of this kind of tension drawing into this. And, uh, you know, we're just going to see that Edmund was... I mean, why was Edmund going into that room anyway? He was probably going in there to hide in the wardrobe just to be a jerk to Lucy to begin with. Probably. You know, it's like, younger brother stuff. He's an older brother to Lucy. Oh, I thought you and Lucy L- Lucy's was... the baby. Oh. Yeah, I Lucy's thought the baby. I younger than her slightly. Mm-mm. Okay. No, it's boy, girl, boy, girl. Peter, Susan, Edmund, Lucy. Lucy's the little baby. Okay, cool. We still don't really have a firm grasp on how old any of these kids are um yeah true the oldest i i'm imagining the oldest one is probably like 15 it's a british book can you please say eldest (laughs) yes i can um (laughs) imagining the the eldest one is probably like 14 15 something like that was what i had in my mind Mm -hmm. but you know too young to be drafted into the war yeah um anyway so uh yeah we have sibling rivalry uh i, I mean i'm trying to i'm grasp, grasping at straws trying to think of things to talk about so let's let's be nerds and say all right we have our four characters we have a little bit of unfolding of who their characters are in this chapter so let's do an alignment chart uh hmm, <laughs> hmm. see and That's i don't feel like we I, well i mean like i'm all for that i don't think that i can draw enough from the two conversations that have involved all of the kids uh-huh. like i would be drawing from what i know from further on okay We'd have so to. i'd be using extra textual re- textual extra textual resources is that legal in the state i you know weed is so <laughs> i i would just have to assume that it is i didn't know you were one of those extra textuals yeah <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I'm the one with the giggles. Okay, that's cool. I didn't realize you were an extra textual either. <laughs> okay, um, so we don't want to do alignment just yet before we know more about the characters. Yeah, and... I think that we should at least have all of the kids in Narnia and base our alignment. What? <laughs> they all go to Narnia? Spoilers. Uh-huh. I think that we should at least have all of the kids' reactions to being in Narnia before we start developing that. All right. Um, so we have them playing a but game of five. Mr. Tumnus. Where does he fall? Uh. Chaotic evil? Oh, chaotic neutral? He's working chaotic, for the queen. Chaotic neutral, probably. He's working for the queen. Yeah. But not working for the queen. Yeah. And he has a moment. I don't know. We'll, we'll get there. He has a redemptive moment. Uh-huh. Wait, oh, and the... Redemptive is going to be a word I say a lot in this book. <laughs> Because wanna... this book has so much redemptiveness. Uh-huh. And now that so I realize why? that, after reading Magician's Nephew... You no, know, Aslan's Jesus, right? I've, you know, I've <laughs> heard that. I don't know if I believe it. We're going to have to see what the text presents. But, you know. Uh-huh. Aslan. Lion. In the Turkish. Turkish. Yep. It's, he's a Turkish delight. <laughs> and that's the title <laughs> of the next chapter. Sorry, I'm spoiling things. <laughs> that's next week so 
Uh, kids play hide and seek. Edmund gets into the wardrobe, <sighs> finds himself in Narnia. I just, I feel like, and are we it? skipping things? No. Are we missing anything that we need to talk about in this chapter whatsoever? In the, you know, the four page in my book, the four pages before he goes into the wardrobe. No, I don't where... think so. I mean, the house was so large and complicated and full of hiding places that Lucy thought she would have time to have one look into the wardrobe and then hide somewhere else. Like. We're talking about how Lucy is basically trying to convince herself that it was real. Like, she's trying to convince herself that she should be holding on to this grudge against her siblings for not believing her. Yeah. So, I mean, let's let's talk about something. Let's go outside the text here. Uh, Where is... Extra textual? I know. It's going to be one of our new words, isn't it? It could be a new segment. Now we get extra textual. No, you got to do it more asthma. Extra textual. <laughs> wow, we're really grasping at straws for content in this episode, aren't we? <laughs> okay, we're not we're not doing that kind of podcast. Okay, um oh my god. So oh. where is where is Diggory in all this? Where's Diggory? Yeah. Professor Kirk? Professor Kirk. I, he's still Diggory. Where's he? No, Professor Kirk is not involved. Like, exactly. at this like, point, they've had breakfast with him. Yeah. They haven't, they don't go, he's not their dad. Yeah, he's he's not. not even their uncle. Like, he's just some old man who let them come live with them. Yeah. Like, they don't have any reason to talk to him and be like, yeah, and our little sister's just being a liar. Yeah, just, because from their perspective... Their little sister is being irrationally angry at them for not believing her telling them that she went from breakfast to a forest in the snow and had tea with a fawn Mm -hmm. who was trying to kidnap her. It's a heck of a story. No, I'm I'm not saying, you know, Diggory should be here, like, shepherding the children. I'm just saying, like, I feel like at some point in the beginning of one of these chapters, he should have stepped in and been like, Oh hey, and don't go into that room. Or hey, don't like do this and whatever. It's just like these. There's four children that he's not responsible for, and that he doesn't really know. Just running around in his giant house full of all sorts of his stuff, and he's just like, yeah, go do whatever. I don't care. Like you would think he'd have some ground rules for. Okay. Yeah. Which brings me to my point. I mean, we don't know mm. this character. Yeah. Like if if we've read these books in the right order, Diggory <laughs> is not occur. Like we don't have any yeah. information about Professor Kirk. He is just the man. And in the next chapter, we're going to be more in, in, like, in the next couple chapters, we're going to meet McCready, the, Mm -hmm. like, the housekeeper. And she is very much the, the rules are the rules kind of person in this household. Uh So, like, we just haven't been introduced to that role yet, but that role is filled. It's coming. Uh, So here's my question, just to throw out a conversation topic. Uh... Do you think Diggory Kirk, professor, old man, that's his full title. There's commas the, there. Diggory the Kirk, comma, professor, comma, old man. Uh, do you think he had any idea whatsoever about no. the wardrobe? No. No. In, it's, in the end of the book, they have a conversation with him being like, mm. yo, we lost some coats. Sorry. Uh-huh. And he, and that's the first that he'd imagined that that wardrobe would ever have any connection to Narnia. Yeah, which, I mean, given that he's a professor and apparently a learned man, you'd think he would have connected some dots. 
No, at some I mean, point, he'd being ne- like, like he'd never, no one had ever gone back to Narnia. Yeah. Nothing had ever disappeared out of that wardrobe. It was just a wardrobe that he had <sighs> built out of the tree when he yeah. moved away from Kensington. Which, a interesting thing. Cutter Lee's home. And... Theoretically, he has used before uh, and has never stumbled into a portal into Narnia. Yeah. Uh, which actually brings me to a discussion topic. This was my only big thing that I wanted to talk about. When he was old enough to (coughs) be, like, no, seriously. Like, when he was old enough to build the wardrobe, because he had it built from the dead tree. Yes. Like, he, he wasn't exactly the kind of like age of someone who would go hide in a wardrobe because no, as we know it's a very silly thing to close yourself yeah. into a well, wardrobe. you don't need to hide into a wardrobe like if you open the wardrobe it's a foot and a half deep like yes. you open the wardrobe and you grab a coat no there's no back to the wardrobe where is that long tunnel leading but you, to? no but you, like, the kids <laughs> never look in and see narnia they only ever look in and see coats yeah like very specifically the kids only ever look in and see coats or the back of the wardrobe. Yeah. They do not ever have a, like, pull it open and still in the room and see a tree. Yeah. So this brings me to what I was saying is my only discussion topic that I actually wanted to get into for this chapter, which is why is the wardrobe selective? Why is it selective? Is it selective? It is. It's absolutely yeah. selective. It. Ha- I mean, it is. Because, like, we have instances of the kids opening it and knocking on the back. Oh, hey, there's just wood there. It doesn't go anywhere. And Lucy even gets into it again and is like, oh, you know, this doesn't go anywhere. When she had previously activated the portal. And then Edmund just randomly goes into it, not having believed it was there and finds it. So what? what is the logic behind Well, it? maybe Edmund did believe it. Maybe Edmund did believe enough that... Lucy was telling the truth. But then, like, later when all of them do get there, it's, it's, I feel like it's reacting to a need to be free from something. Because when we have Lucy first go into Narnia, she is trapped in the house because of the rain. And she's exploring the house with her siblings because of the rain. They can't go outside and explore the beautiful grounds. Mm-hmm. And so she ends up st- like going, stepping into the wardrobe in an effort to free herself from some of the boredom of just exploring the house. Uh-huh. And she escapes from this boring place into yeah. Narnia. Then we have her running from someone. She hears the footsteps of Edmund and runs to the wardrobe thinking that it's Susan trying to escape from her and makes it into Narnia. Uh-huh. And Edmund is following her. Mm-hmm. And so it's possible that, you know, Edmund was going to check and see or that Edmund was just being a jerk in order to, like, bring this up again when he was found in Lucy's wardrobe. Uh-huh. Um, but then we also, in the future, when all of them do end up getting into Narnia, it's when they're running away from McCready and they're trying to not get in trouble and they run to the wardrobe to hide in there to get away from her. So, like all of the passaging that passaging, pa- yeah, all of the passaging into <laughs> Narnia that happens is all happening when people are trying to escape from something. Okay. So I think it's reacting mm-hmm. to a need to be free of something. Interesting. So it's not necessarily like. <clears throat> A random thing, and it's not picking and choosing who gets to go in. It's just like I mean, it might a be. very reactive type thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it might be, it might, it might not, it might just be some solar flare. Like, there's, <laughs> we don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, and it's also linked directly to Narnia, bypassing the wood between the worlds that we don't yeah. know exists yet. So when we talk about House of Leaves, because <laughs> uh-huh. it's been it's been way too many episodes since we brought that up. Yeah, and there's a I'm on contract with Daniel Lewski. I have to mention that every so often. Yeah, whatever. Uh, get my fifty cents a month. Yeah. Um, I mean that's it covers <laughs> it covers one uh, <clears throat> what one twentieth of the hosting fees for yeah. this. It covers the power that we use to run the laptop. Um, but not the microphone. Probably not. Uh, so yeah, when, you know, for, for those of you who've maybe read this book or are familiar with my ramblings about it, uh, in House of Leaves, we have this space that, uh, would seem like it's very reactive to people's subconscious desires. Mm. And it's a space that is so overwhelmingly empty that it echoes your thoughts. And this is kind of a parallel, maybe, with what the wardrobe is. Like, it's not something that's actively deciding anything. It's just, you know, it echoes something or it resonates with something that's in your head. Oh, okay. So what <laughs> you're saying that the the wardrobe has no will. Agency. It is, or agency. It is just yeah. a mirror. Yes. And it, it opens upon a need or it opens upon the presence of something uh-huh. specific. Yes. All right. Uh, so anyway... Uh, yeah, that was my only real discussion point. That's the only thing that I thought was interesting about this chapter is the mechanics of how the wardrobe and how travel between here and Narnia actually works. And, you know, who it decides to let in and why. Because, like, we don't really have any sort of... I mean, the the wardrobe bypasses the wood between worlds, but in the wood between the worlds, we know of no such, like, random process or selection. Like, if you go into the pool, you are in the place that you're trying to go. Yeah. Regardless yeah. of waver or fluctuate or yeah this pull is charming and now it's narnia <laughs> and now it's something else yeah so this is a more direct if not less reliable way mm-hmm. to get there i don't know if you've got something else you want to i mean like the only other thing that i wanted to talk about is like this kind of introduction of the queen yeah so edmund gets to narnia uh looks around and is like oh hey lucy's not full of crap that's crazy uh Maybe I should go apologize to her or something. And I think he actually tries to find her to apologize. He does. And then when she mm-hmm. doesn't respond as he's yelling out her name, he's, he's like, like, how like a girl. <laughs> Let's talk about the misogyny in this chapter. Edmund is <sighs> proved so thoroughly to be a jerk. Uh-huh. He's also like nine or something. Like, I mean. Boys of that age are just jerks. He's probably like. 12. Uh-huh. If you think Peter's like 15, 14, I think that Lucy, Susan's probably only a year younger than him, and I think they're probably only a year to maybe two years at max between it's, them. It's a lot of pregnancy their mother went through in a short period of time. I mean, it's... <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> anyway. um, So, yeah, he goes, doesn't find Lucy, which is interesting because, I mean, we know time is different, but Lucy goes in, he goes in right after her. Lucy is nowhere to be found. Like, witch pulls up right after Edmund gets there, so we're assuming that Lucy didn't encounter the witch and just done run off somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but Edmund comes in, and then the witch shows up, and we have, you know, this is the first time that most people are introduced to the witch. If you've well, read these books in the correct queen. order. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know for sure if she is the witch that 
<clears throat> well, yeah. What, <sighs> reading this for the first time, yeah. you don't know for certain that this woman introduced as queen is the white witch that Tumnus talked to Lucy about. Yeah. But it's pretty obvious based on the fact that she is pale, uh-huh. super white, yeah. is riding around in a sleigh with a, with an unnamed dwarf being her sleigh driver. Yeah. And that she is just like, what are you? And then she asks if he's a man, like if he's... Yeah. And this is, uh, I don't want to like say a startling example of Jadis's incompetence or, or something like that. Uh, well, the queen, sorry, we don't know who she is yet. Um, however, we know that Mr. Tumnus has been hired by the queen to look out for any human children. Like, this is his job. Like, human children come through, you bring them to me. And the witch pulls up and finds Edmund, looks right at him, doesn't know if he's human. Like, she has other people out here that she's hired on being like, hey, bring me this thing. She has seen one human boy. And she's just like, hey, if any of these things show up, bring them to me. I'm not really sure what like or maybe or how to tell what they are like here's a vague description but i think that there's also like the requirement (laughs) of self-acknowledgement there though like (laughs) it is very much a putting you in your place yeah like it is the queen asking you to identify yourself yes but she's also just like oh are you some sort of overgrown dwarf or what I've yeah, never I seen mean, something like that. She you. also needs to confirm it. And she yeah. needs to confirm it out of the mouth of the person themselves. Like that she is, in fact, it's been it's been a thousand years. The tree was protecting Narnia for a thousand years. Uh-huh. Like, she can't just, you know, remember. And yet she's held a grudge for that long. She's just been like... She knows how magic works. Yeah. She knows that if... if when the tree is dead, she's able to subdue Narnia. She does that. She's expecting the lion to come back. Mm-hmm. So, we, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more in other chapters, uh, obviously, because that's kind of the entire plot of the book. But, I don't know, what, what is the whole subduing of Narnia thing? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, talk to me about, you know, how that works or, like, what... What do you think the point is? I mean, it's she just wants to have power. No, 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 not not the the just the 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 point more not of of what her desires are, but how the mechanics of it work. Because in the previous book, we have Aslan setting up the whole thing where oh, we're going to plant this tree and it's going to protect Narnia for you know about this long, and then she's going to come in and do whatever she wants. Yeah. Like, why? Why does there have to be a set period of time after which she's just got to be like, oh yeah, well she's got to. Gotta let her do whatever. Because it was written in a different <laughs> order, Chris. Because the events that happened in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe were penned. Yes. And he was trying to make up a history for it that explained how the witch got there. Yes, but we're, we're no. finding new subtleties and intricacies within but the text by reading it in this order. the problem of evil. Yeah. And you and Steve got to have your little <laughs> problem of evil thing. Uh-huh. You are having this kind of theological discussion and being like, why did Aslan let this happen? Like, also, you wrote the number three, but you wrote it like a capital cursive Z, and it's upsetting me. Um, I'm sorry. That is that is letter Z. This is chapter Z. Um, it is... It, it, okay. This book is not about... 
the problem of evil. This book is about... A redemptive story. Redemption. Yeah. This book is not about why. Like, and, and yes, part of it is just that I don't want to have this conversation because I don't want to have a theological <laughs> discussion at all, ever. It's been so, like, <laughs> it's been so long, though. But, like, what, what you're asking here is what was Aslan intending to do? Like, did Aslan need a thousand years in order to get up the, the magic to be able to destroy the queen? Uh-huh. Like, did, in some way, like, was there some kind of necessity of Narnia to see the good and the bad and choose the good? Like, is there something in there where... You know, he had to let Narnia have a thousand years of peace and joy and what it could be in the protection of Aslan in order for them to see how bad it could be under the rule of the witch in order for them to choose to follow Aslan and come to uh, come together as an army to fight the witch. It's like, circular. Is all of that necessary in order for there to be a free will choice on the part of the people of Narnia to serve Aslan? Like... This is the problem and the question and the like the answers that we can argue about, but I don't have an opinion on it, so I'm not going to engage in an argument. Yeah. And you're trying to argue with me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to argue. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just trying, trying to discuss. I think we this. have a because of the way we approached it, we have a unique position here of being able to look at the series in a different way by reading it in a different order. It's like, you know, doing the... Uh... So what you're saying is that we've created problems that shouldn't have been here. <laughs> no, it's like doing the whole thing where you, you take the Star Wars movies and you watch them in a in different the, order. In, than, in a better order? Than, than chronological. And like, we, you know, we're doing the opposite thing here where we're taking something that's not chronological and doing it chronologically. And maybe we can find interesting things in the text that way. See, but there's a value to the integrity of the story. <laughs> uh-huh. Like... There are different orders to watch movies in. There are different orders to read books in that reveal things about characters in a different way and unfold them in a different way. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't feel like this does that. Uh-huh. Because it creates more questions about how, like, how did Narnia survive so long? Was Aslan involved in Narnia prior to the witch coming back? Like, this creates questions that challenge the the integrity of characters that are supposed to be integrous and valuable mm-hmm. in this book and we wouldn't have like this book is supposed to be the introduction of Aslan as not a tame lion but he's a good lion and like coming at it with the perspective that he set up this tree to protect Narnia and now we've come back to it and Narnia is in shambles being controlled by this witch like uh-huh. it it undermines the value and the the kind of beauty of what Aslan had created yeah the lamppost like, is still there though the lamppost is still there it's not young anymore um <laughs> But, like, it kind of it undermines the integrity of Aslan's character to, to read them in this order and have these questions right up front. Yeah. Like, if you're introduced to Aslan as the redemptive character and then you're introduced to this backstory, you have these questions after you've already developed a love and relationship for Aslan. Like, okay. I, if you started with, like... Anyway, whatever. I'm I'm running in circles here. 
I am I'm arguing two sides of something because you're not arguing with me and you got me into I'm an le- argument. I'm letting you, you go. Got, you got me into an argument with myself, Chris. I just wound you up and I'm letting you wander. I'm too tired bit. for this. <laughs> All right. Um so that being said, uh This I think is we're... your topic. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to change the subject. Oh, um yes. Yeah, I yeah, I agree no. with you, and I, I definitely think there's something to be said for, you know, us having questions that uh, we wouldn't have had doing this in the right order uh, if we're, you know, pretending to come into this completely fresh and we're, you know, don't have any prior knowledge of the books or the storyline. Uh, like, doing this in release order, we wouldn't have brought up these topics whatsoever. Yeah, but, so, I mean, there's a value to that if you have consider like, if you consider that conversation... Of value. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, but there, there is a value to read them, reading them in a different order that creates questions that we don't have yet. But you also, you've been introduced to Aslan as a character and now you see his land in an absence of him. And you don't have, you know, the, the same kind of appreciation for what Aslan will eventually do for Narnia. Yeah. All right. Coming at it in this order, you're going to get to the point where Aslan does do something, and it's like, yeah, well, finally. Why didn't you do that a hundred years ago when the queen first came back to begin with? Yeah. So, uh, given that we're, you know, kind of chopping and screwing the order of the that we're reading the books in, it's, uh, <sighs> it's a good segue into our It's a segue. Next segment. I don't know if it's a good one. It's a great segue into our next segment, uh, hashtag Narnia Chopped and Screwed, where we go in and we Narnia find... Narnia Fusion Buffet. We decided. <laughs> Did we? Because I think you decided, and I don't think I... Hashtag know, Narnia Fusion Buffet. You can vote on the Twitter. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so this is what we do. We go in and find five more sentences in the chapter, and we try to write our own story out of it. Oh, uh, that's not what I did. <laughs> what did you do, Kristen? I um, read the chapter and then found five sentences to tell a different story with. But um, I found seven sentences to tell a new story with. And if I only have five sentences... You only have five. This is canon. Then I'm just telling the same story. So I didn't do that. I failed the brief. We've done this (laughs) 18 times now. I don't... I did this five days ago. I don't even remember what sentences. I'm just trying to wind you up right back. All right. Anyway, so. This is is me cranking and winding you up. This was a hard one. Like, the chapters that nothing happens in, I always think are a little more difficult because there's just, like, fewer fun, interesting sentences to work with. Uh, So I came up with something that I think is very abstract and, like might be fun if you read it in the right way but is also not great anyway let me i'll just go ahead and read it so this is mine what made it worse was that these days ought to have been delightful then he began feeling about for lucy in the dark just like a girl said edmund to himself sulking somewhere and won't accept an apology. In the frosty air, the breath coming out of their nostrils looked like smoke. 
he did not like the way she looked at him. Hmm. Ooh. <laughs> I like the scene you've created there. I really do. Uh-huh. I really do. You did a good job. You did a good job. Thank you. I thought you might like it. This was this was a, a very far departure uh, from where I thought the story was, where I just reimagined the characters entirely as, like, not brother and sister, but adults in some sort of relationship. Yeah. And, you know, Edmund's still a jerk. I mean, yes, mm. but there's also, like... A flip on Edmund being a jerk to also including Edmund having some intimidation factor coming off of the other person involved. Like, oh, I so. do appreciate that a lot. Cool. So, there we go. All right. That's well, yours. I didn't believe you. He shivered. Still, there was no answer. Everything was perfectly still, as if he were the only living creature in that country. You shall know us better hereafter. Okay. Where is this coming from for you? It's very... Nowhere. I was trying. I was just trying. (laughs) I was trying to put sentences together. Okay. Um, Can I change my last sentence? Sure. I didn't believe you. You shivered. Still, there was no answer. Everything was perfectly still, as if he were the only living creature in that country. He opened the door. Okay, yeah, I like that one better. Okay, uh, yeah, I liked it better, There's too. Some, some some mystery there. Yeah. Something going on. There's a door. I mean, it's like the last living man on Earth, and there was a knock on the door. Uh-huh. Kind of scene. It was the last living woman. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners, for this I episode kn- that you've had to endure. This has been a rough one, <laughs> as are the ones that we don't have a lot of, like, chapter meat to dig into. That's what I call plot now. It's chapter meat. <laughs> okay. As, as a vegan, I call it chapter protein. <laughs> Not a vegan. Shush. <laughs> vegan who last night was like, get me a spicy chicken sandwich. Yeah, anyway. Because <laughs> I don't want to spend seven fifty on the Beyond Meat. <laughs> like you did. Oh, you know what? For your Junior Bacon Western Cheeseburger with cheese on it. This is the kind of lifestyle that our podcasting lets us have. Like, the vast amounts of money from our Patreon is No, you can spend $7 <laughs> on that burger because I got a 99 cent sandwich. Anyway, so this is Thrilling Radio. Um, so let's just go ahead and jump into our final segment here where we look at the chapter as a whole and give it a review with a quick little rating based on, you know, how well it did what it set out to do. Uh, and we use it on a one to five star system. In this case, our stars are... Kristen, give me something. They're Kristen! How many Kristens do you give this chapter? Ooh, that's a rabbit hole I'm not going to go down. That's a That's a trap. They should be rain, <laughs> reindeer. Reindeer? Yeah. Or just reindeer nostrils. Beard dwarfs? Be- dwarf beards? Beard dwarfs? <laughs> Are those dwarfs that live in your beard? Yes. Chris. They live in my beard. So, <clears throat> like we said, not a lot of... 
discussable action items in this chapter at all. Uh, there's a little bit of plot. Edmund goes, he meets the witch, queen, whatever. Uh, we essentially have a repeat of chapter one, where like we just have Lucy going in, and he has a less interesting time there, because he doesn't like go and get to have tea with some sort of mythical critter. And then uh, he gets to have Turkish delights with the queen, but we don't know that yet, because that's in the next chapter! Yeah, so, I mean... I feel like this chapter is half of a chapter. Yeah, we had some, like, sibling... It's ra- half of a chapter. We have some sibling rivalry, and we get... I give creative point. Well, not creative. I'll give points for that, for, you know, we have this some... This thing you have no relatability to. You're going to give extra points for the part of the book that you were like, can you explain this to me? I don't have to relate to everything in a story that I'm reading. I just... You're like, oh yeah, you pointed out that this thing is here, so now I'm going to give credit to the author for doing it. Yeah, I mean, there is character development. I was going to bring that up anyway. Um, And yeah, sure. But overall, it bored me. I feel like it was half a chapter, like... Lewis is, at least in this series, not great at finding places to end chapters and start new ones. Like, there are some authors that are, like, amazingly good at being able to write a succinct chapter and end it on some sort of interesting note. Butcher's sometimes good at that, not always. Butcher's so bad at it. So occasionally he has moments. Half of the time he's like, this chapter is just gonna cliffhanger. Yeah. If I ended it three sentences later... Uh-huh. You wouldn't have turned the page. Uh, Daniel Lewski's amazing at that. Daniel but... Lewski doesn't know what a chapter is. <laughs> oh, he yeah, just I think, has I think, some pages I think that he, just he knows. He just doesn't care. Go. Um, yeah. uh, anyway. These are the only two authors that we read, so I mean, like, I, can, I can't I mean, think of another example. I mean, I can think of... <laughs> whatever. Um, so... I feel like it was fine in in books that have like shifting um, perspectives uh-huh. that authors kind of force themselves to be good at it. Yeah, because when they change chapter, they're leaving one character and going to another, mm-hmm. so they have to wrap things up. So like um, like uh, George R. R. Martin or like the. Um, James S. A. Corey, Corey, pen name for two people, but you know whatever the expanse, uh-huh. um, where each chapter is told from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Like it does make it a more pleasurable reading experience for me mm-hmm. when I know that each chapter is going to be from one person's perspective or from following one character, mm-hmm. and that when it's done, we're going to be moving on to someone else. So regardless of whether it's a cliffhanger at the end or not, I don't have to turn the next page if I don't want to, mm-hmm. to, to get a resolution because I'm either not going to get a resolution for three more chapters mm-hmm. or I'm going to have it in this succinct package right here. Yeah. And if I start the next chapter, it's going to be following a different plot. Yeah. You should read the Children of Time book but when I'm done with it. When you're done with it's it. It's very satisfying in that way. Yeah. And one of the characters is a spider. You told me that. Yeah. I remember that now. It's not even human. We've gotten very quiet. We have. Um. So anyway, wrapping up this chapter, really boring. It has some redemptive elements. So I'm going to go ahead and give it uh, reindeer. A reindeer? Two. Two. <laughs> Uh, two out of five reindeer, I think. It's... Why are you asking me? Because you know I don't care. I'm going to give it a whole sleigh load. Do you know how many reindeer can fit in a sleigh? Me either. 
So I don't know what I rated it. Thank you for your contributions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, next week we're going to talk about Turkish Delights and hopefully more things happen in that chapter we can make a more compelling episode out of. Uh, but until then, if you still want to listen to this podcast for some reason... You say you can that, fu- but this this episode is longer than the uh, last one, and the last chapter, as we established, was a whole page longer. You can follow us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can tweet at us at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can send us an email of your... You know, send us some fan art of the inside of a wardrobe. <laughs> Um, but don't close the door all the way. That's dangerous. Because that's, that would be very foolish. Send that to chroniclypodcast.gmail.com. Uh, and I'm going to go see if Kristen can, wants to get some sleep. Uh, anyway, <laughs> until next time. See ya. Bye. but it might not be a problem with the computer or the mic. I might just be being loud. Uh Uh-huh. You got me into an argument with myself, Chris. I just wound you up and I'm letting you wander. I'm too tired for this. (laughs) What? (laughs) They all go to Narnia? Spoilers. You know, Aslan's Jesus, right? Paper turning sounds. That's very dramatic, paper turning. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to edit that out because it looks... <laughs> anyway. Okay. Hey, read your sentences. I'm waiting until the car leaves because it's being loud. <laughs> <laughs>